This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your host, Josh Taransky and Clint Clifton. Hey, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. My name is Josh Taransky, and I'm joined by Clint Clifton. What's Clint, up? Clint, hey, man, great to hear your voice, and uh, it's good to be back for another episode of the Church Planting Podcast. We know guys are out there, some guys are out there just hanging on for dear life. They're like, yeah. am I going to make it through COVID-19? I know. Other guys are like on pause. They're wondering, are my dreams dashed? Yeah. Um, you have a leadership role um, with the North American Mission Board. Um, well, give us some perspective. What are you seeing from a 50,000 foot view of church planting? Yeah, well, I'm seeing that um, it's not as many, but a lot of guys are still planning to launch their churches. They're working toward church launches. I mean, I think in the beginning, every everybody was like, pause the whole thing because this is going to be bad and then it'll blow over. But now everybody's like, oh, this isn't going to blow over. So let's just figure out how to do it in the midst of this. So that's what's going on right now. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Nam particularly, I mean, Nam, our leader, we have a, a president, his name's Kevin Ezell, he's a great leader, but he he very wisely just kind of put the brakes on everything but essential things. And we started using phrases like mission critical to describe what we're spending money on. So he grounded all the traveling we we're doing and everything and just, you know, tried to squeeze out of our um, operational budget you know, all of the savings that we might lose so that church planters didn't feel it at all. And man, he did a, he did a great job of that. And so we, it has dramatically affected the lives of those who work for NAM, uh, but hasn't affected our ability to help start churches at all. And I think, you know, <clears throat> lots of um, churches and agencies did that kind of thing. They just kind of prepared for the worst. And, um, and in most cases, they're finding out that financially speaking, it's bad, but not as bad as we thought it could have been. So, yeah. 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 Now, NAM receives a lot of its support from a significant Easter offering. Yeah. And um, they didn't even advertise or push for that offering. Is that, was that the case or did I just Yeah, miss that's something? right. I mean, it kind of felt, you know, tone deaf to do that, to, to. Of course, the mission continues. That's kind of our mantra right now. Um, it does continue. But, you know, people are suffering. Churches are scurrying, trying to figure out what's going on at, at Easter. Think, of, I mean, we're now six weeks back. Think about where we were at at Easter in terms of where our head was at with this whole thing. Yeah. And to to ramp up to that a month before Easter and tell everybody, yeah, you need to you need to really make sacrifices to give to this offering. It just seemed like, you know, we would have been saying that and we would have sounded tone deaf. So. I think, you know, wisely, again, the leadership said, let's back off. We'll trust the Lord for whatever comes in, but let's help our churches right now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they, they did that. And, you know, surprisingly, not surprisingly, the, um, the offering did relatively well. I mean, not as well as it normally does, but, you know, all things considered really, really well. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, it's good. It's um, some wise decision making. Um, but I'm sure now, is there a sense of, okay, we're coming out of this and we're ready to, to re-engage or is, is everything still pretty locked down with NAM and other networks? 
No, I would say there's no sense we're coming out of it from a network standpoint. Um, in fact, and I think everybody's okay with that. I mean, I, I it feels like a, a fresh wind in terms of like one of our values at, at the North American Mission Board is uh, to do more with less. We've we've kind of sought to do that. But in a scenario like this, you see what you really can do without. And uh, we all stopped traveling in March. You know, I mean, we were we were, tr- you know, our employees were traveling all over the place trying to raise money, recruit planters, do all kinds of stuff. And uh, we're not doing that now. And the mission's still continuing on. Um, all those meetings that we thought they were essential to be in the same room, they're really not. <laughs> we're accomplishing them without, we're not burning up the road, you know, with gas. Yeah. We're still training planters. We're, you know, so, you know, it's it's not ideal in some sense, relationally, sure for sure. But in the on the other hand, we've all had more time with our families. We've recalibrated back to kind of a, maybe a healthier rhythm in terms of home life. And yeah, I mean, I, I think all things considered, it's it's been a really good season for us and probably have long, long implications. Yeah, yeah. Those are good adjustments. So guys that are listening, thinking about church planting, we're still saying be a part of a network. Yeah. Still, still come, still, still reach out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's, still there's still a lot to be gained from being a part of a network. Um, you know, I, I think the, honestly, the value denominations have been under fire for, for years. Everybody thought, you know, you know, years, you know, 20, 25 years ago, somebody got the idea that denominations were evil and bad. And all of a sudden we, you know, nobody likes denominations and it was, it was in vogue to, to say you're non-denominational, but time like this really um r- really i felt the value more than i ever have before being part of a, of a family being part mm-hmm. of a denomination you know a denomination it has it has the good good bad you know things associated with it but so does everything else and it's like being a part of a family like i got, I got uncles that are kind of nuts but Still, I mean, they're yeah. uh, they're welcome at the family reunion like everybody else is, and we, you know, in a sense, the figuring out how to cooperate with one another on mission is is really important. And uh, so, I find I found tons of value in this. One of the things that's so encouraging about this whole thing was I had in the midst of you know where the rubber was really hitting the road in terms of church plants and getting you know having a difficult time. Um, we had large existing churches. M- bending over backwards, making sacrifices to help make sure every church plant got through this season. Mm. And they didn't even really have to because the church plants themselves were bending over backwards to help each other. I mean, there was sort of a, you know, everybody looked at each other and sort of said, Hey, we're going to all get through this. Don't, don't worry. You know? And it was cool. It was really cool. I mean, we had a, we had a situation where we divided the, the church planters in DC up into sort of vulnerable churches and rooted churches and the rooted churches, helped out the vulnerable ones and everybody got helped. It was so cool, man. So just really thankful for that season. Yeah. Man, that's so good. Well, let's uh, shift gears and talk about this episode. This is an interview that you did with Wesley Lewis. Yeah. And you uh, personally know him Yeah. and he has helped in the past with some of our technical stuff. Share a little bit about what, uh, what our audience has in store for this episode. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of cool things about Wesley, but the the first the most important thing is that we grew up together. Um, we're from the same hometown, a little town called Palatka, Florida, 
and uh, he was the Methodist kid in town, you know, so I didn't really hang out with him because I was Baptist, but no, I'm just kidding. But his, uh, his girlfriend and my girlfriend were best friends. And so we were like forced to be friends because of that, you know, <laughs> and we ended up really liking each other. And so we both went into ministry. Um, he uh, did a bunch of bunch of schooling and got a couple master's degrees and then got out there and started doing ministry. And uh, same time I did two different tracks, two different parts of the country. Um, but we stayed connected um, and stayed friends. And, he, you know, he was in full time ministry for a long time. And then he tra- he started a, a company. He started this company and he kind of had been on us as a side hustle doing it for a while, helping churches um, with the, their IT tech stuff. And then it just rolled into a full time thing. And so he's still doing, he sort of does ministry as a side hustle now. And so he's, he's a great guy. He's really, you know, I think the distinction is really important. He's a ministry guy and who does, um, who does it tech stuff and really understands it well. And he understands the applications for ministry. He thinks about leveraging it tech for the spread of the gospel, the building of the church, that kind of stuff, rather than somebody who's leveraging ministry to make money. You know, he's leveraging the the church to kind of try to make money for his business. So you'll, you'll hear that in his tone. I mean, he's always, he's just really thinking about the church a lot and he loves church planning. He's just a good, good guy, really solid dude, full of integrity. And anyway, he's built this, uh, this business and he's got other people working with him for him now. And so it's, it's great. I want to encourage people to use him and hopefully this conversation will be helpful for you. Mm, Good. Well, we're going to have a word from our sponsor, and then we'll jump right into this interview with Wesley Lewis. Not every American Christian is on the same page about the need for new churches. So we've created a material to help pastors and church leaders talk to their congregations about church planting in a way that's compelling and convicting. We've created a resource called the Church Planting Primer. And the Church Planting Primer can be used as a small group curriculum, or it can be used for... Um, your congregation as a whole, maybe on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, or it can be used in other smaller settings, uh, Sunday school classes, or or even for your leadership team or your missions committee to go through. The Church Planting Primer is four sessions. It starts with the biblical rationale for church planting, moves on to the need for new churches in North America, and then after that we talk about how churches begin, what are the nuts and bolts of how churches begin the New Testament and how they begin today, And the last session is about how everyday Christians can be involved in starting new churches. This material is absolutely free. It's video-based, downloadable online for your use. And you can find it all at newcityplanting.org. Wesley Lewis, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. Hey, I'm glad to be here, Clint. Thanks for asking me to be here. Yes. Wesley, we are old friends. That we are. We have known each other for quite a long time, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, we, uh, ended up in one of those, one of those forced friendships that, um, comes about when, um, your significant others are friends. <laughs> that is true. That is true. It was my, yeah. my now wife and your now wife are, are good friends and both of us made it through the dating journey. Yes. That we did. I mean, that's success in and of itself, right? That we actually dated in high school and married the people that we, you know, we're with, that's, that's an accomplishment. And are still married to them. <laughs> and are still married. They're still married to us. That's, that's the surprising and, and, thing. And they don't, and they don't hate us <laughs> to our knowledge. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, um, so, uh, we're going to talk about, uh, 
IT tech, uh, the digital components of ministry today. So for, a frame, for our frame of reference, are you a ministry guy who does IT or are you an IT guy who does ministry? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, for me, I would say this, that uh, my calling is to serve uh, the church. Yeah. Uh, my profession is technology. So, okay. uh, Clint, and you know this, for a long time I was in ministry full-time and still help pastor a church here in Jacksonville uh, with my good friend Jimbo Stewart. And I enjoy that and uh, do that a lot. But my vocation is I own a web development agency called 180 Digital. And so that's what I do to, to make ends meet. Uh, but yet kind of calling is my, my calling is ministry. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I think of you as a ministry guy and then an IT guy because you were a ministry guy for a long time in my book. Um, and uh, then then just in the last few years, you've really I mean, you were always kind of dabbling in it. But in the last few years, you got real serious about it and it kind of uh, it pulled out front in terms of your attention. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, for the uh, longest I, time, I was always the, the nerdy guy on the ministry team. I mean, that was kind of my go-to if there was a technology issue. Uh, they were looking to me to solve that problem. Uh, and it was really just kind of God's gifting for me and then really fully leaning into that gifting uh, to be a mm-hmm. way to provide a means for my family. So Yeah. I bring that up because it's kind of a, it. It's kind of an important piece when um, when you're in ministry and you don't understand IT, and you're trying to figure out how to accomplish ministry problems with technological solutions, and you're talking to somebody who doesn't understand the ministry problems. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is very unique. I mean, I work for the Jacksonville Baptist Association as well. I do a lot of kind of consulting and with church plants, uh, churches of all different sizes. And the thing that they like about me is that I understand both worlds and specifically some of their unique problems that they are trying to do. So I have all that insider language and understand their goal and and want to help them, you know, along that, along to get to that goal. Right. Well, this conversation was kind of prompted by the pandemic because we're in this, um, we're in this season where all of a sudden, um, if you were a pastor who didn't care about the digital component of your ministry, um, then you're no longer that pastor. I mean, I, I this is hilarious to me, but pa- I've been noticing pastors that I've known for years joining Facebook. Like they yes. weren't on Facebook before, and now they're on Facebook. <laughs> yes. And I think, what a disadvantage <laughs> to have had no context for like doing anything online and just making your first Facebook friends. Um, yeah, in the midst yeah. And I've, I've had calls from those people and have helped coach people on how to make a Facebook account and do Facebook <laughs> Live. I mean, and starting from scratch. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've been happy that I've been able to get some of them caught up and they're able to minister to their congregation now when they, other than a phone call, that was really the only option that they had or an email. So now they have some way to kind of touch base with their congregation, which is good. I enjoy that. Yeah. I think for most of us, the pandemic started and caught us off guard for sure. And we thought, oh, this is going to be, you know, a couple weeks or, or whatever. And uh, we'll probably be talking about it for years as this, this like blip on the map. Uh, but now we're, you know, three months deep into it with no kind of, you know, end in sight from, from most of us. 
What do you think are some of the long-term implications that the pandemic pandemic is going to have on churches regarding media and their digital footprint? Yeah. So, you know, I think when we first, this whole thing started, all of us probably thought it was just simply an interruption. Like it was just going to be a short little time frame, And then we were going to get back to church as we knew it before. And I think we've all started to realize over time that this is more of a disruption. And if you were not digital as a church, it, it is a necessity for you to do that. And I really see that, you know, some of the things that churches are doing is obviously, you know, people who weren't even weren't even set up for online giving now are now is the predominant way that most of their people are able to give to them. And the number of churches that are offering, you know, online services, obviously it's now a necessity that you do that. And and what's interesting about that is I really feel like uh, flexibility has become the new metric to measure. Like as a church, are you able to adapt and change and, um, you know, with whatever kind of throws your way? And so a lot of churches are, are learning to do that. And that's great. Yeah. That's good for us as as churches to be able to be more flexible in our structure and the way that we gather and the way that we hold our services. Yeah. Interesting that you bring that up. I, I totally agree with you. I think flexibility is a huge component. And um, in that way, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast since the pandemic started, but um, the uh, the flexibility is kind of pre-programmed into a church planting environment. You know, you don't have a, a, a stable space. You don't have a stable budget. You don't have a stable, a lot of things. So you kind of, um, you, you become flexible or fluid maybe it would even be better yeah. to just kind of fill in the cracks of what's available to you and do the best you can with what you have yeah. and that has turned out to be a huge advantage for church plants actually i would say um, across the board church plants are faring far better than existing churches um, in regard to um, their survival and kind of how they're thriving in this season of time where yeah. when this started i would have thought it would be just the opposite yeah, absolutely agreed. You know, most of those, because they are, a lot of church planners are kind of younger, more forward thinking uh, in the way that they structure, you know, their church overall, they are able to adapt quickly because a lot of them don't even have buildings. And so a lot of the churches that were kind of sedentary in the way that they did things are are the ones that are really kind of struggling to kind of catch up and even get started with some of this. So. Gotcha. So what are some of the ways uh, that churches can connect virtually with people online? I mean, we, we think of a few on the top of our head, but give me a few of the ways that churches should be uh, trying to engage people online. Yeah, I think a lot of the time churches aren't really, they're thinking, especially right now, because we're just trying to adapt so quickly to what is happening in front of us and connect with our people. And most of us are hoping that things will go back to normal soon, but we're not really sure exactly when that will be. So, yeah, we're leaning hard into platforms like Zoom and Facebook Live to be able to connect with our people. But I think there's some other opportunities out there that churches could really uh, grab hold of to really understand that not everything that we do has to be live. Not all teaching and learning has to be live. I mean, it's one of these kind of uh, transformations that has taken place in, it, in higher education is online courses. And right. that's a big thing even in my in my space is is online courses and how easy would it be for us as churches to create online content that exists out there for people to be able to take um, and so it isn't one of those things that just has to be live all the time and, and another thing that i see that some churches doing um, are taking using 
using platforms like Zoom or Facebook Live to make the most of the situation that they're in. And instead of just always leaning into the pastor or you know the, the team or whatever, you have the ability right in the, in the palm of your hand to invite other people who aren't local to your area yeah. to teach and speak into your people. Right. So really kind of leveraging all the connections that most pa- pastors already have and mm-hmm. really using those to be able to speak into people in the lives of your church. And I think that's one thing that they haven't really... Uh, grabbed a hold of yet because you know we're, we're thinking this is going to be over and things will go back to normal. But really, there is a, a you know a possibility here and really a probability that this may go on for a, a while longer. So make the most of the opportunity that you have and and reach out and get some people to kind of connect with your people that that's not the same old person all the time. Yeah, that's that's for sure. We were I was talking to some guys from a particular network the other day. And they focus on um, on military church planting, and we had the, uh, you know, they were talking about u- utilizing Memorial Day as a day where they could speak in a bunch of churches, and usually they do that. But the problem is they don't have enough personnel to scatter out to the churches that are open to having them come, and uh, now that's not really a problem. They can just <laughs> we just yeah. di- distribute a video, and uh, and we get to everybody. So there are some yeah. some interesting uh, advantages and- to that. And I would say what's amazing is, you know, we had these tools already. These tools weren't invented in the last, you know, six or eight weeks here. They've been here. We just have failed to utilize them to their full potential. And even really just to begin to think about how we might be able to do, uh, to use the tools that that we have available to grow the kingdom. Because, you know, people are out there, and especially with the generations that come behind, you know, you and I, Clint, are kind of part of, I'm not sure what generation we're part of, but... Uh, you know, those though that digital language that that is their native tongue for them, yeah. and so reaching out to, you know, those younger generations are is crucial for us to be online and make the use of those tools to the best that we yeah. can. Yeah. Um, so unique challenges that come along with digital ministry. I mean, I'm just thinking the 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 massive challenge is the number of pastors that are. Our generation or older we're 40 that we're gen xers um many many pastors are our age or older the majority of pastors are our age or older and they don't speak the native tongue of social media and you know and digital digital communication so um that's one huge challenge but what are what are other challenges or how can we address that challenge well you know for some of them we were kind of the first adopters and typically with technology being the first adopter is not really the best situation. It's those that come after us that grow up with the technology that are able to use it really to its full extent. So, you know, some of the challenges that they face, I would just kind of recommend that they lean into uh, some of the people that God has given them in their congregation who maybe are able to speak that and have ideas that they couldn't even think of. Um, You know, specifically, we think about social networks. You know, everybody's obviously going to default to... Uh, Facebook, and that's that is the most popular social you know media network out there. But most people don't even realize you know YouTube is is right behind it at number two, and it is a social media network. It's a way that people connect online. So any place where people connect online is a social media network, and there's lots of them out there. Most people don't even consider you know I know you've got a gamer in your household, but like you know uh, Twitch. Twitch is a 
Twitch is a social media network. It is a place where people go to watch streaming, but more than that, to connect with people. So mm-hmm. utilizing those social media networks that maybe are not quite so obvious to reach specific target groups is an opportunity that I don't see a lot of people doing right now. And yeah. that's mostly because we're just not in that space. We don't know that. So you have to talk with people who are in that space and get them to really understand um, you know, how they can utilize what platforms that they're on and, and utilize that for the gospel. And I think that's the big thing, you know, it's about us understanding no matter where our congregation is, um, no matter how old they are, they're all involved with different things and they can all use the, the platforms and connection that they're involved with and leveraging those things for the gospel. I know we would love to see, you know, all the people in our congregation do that. And the reality is we have those people. We just need to really kind of focus on, uh, trying to get them to uh, make those connections and and think about and consider what they could how they could use those for the sake of the gospel. Yeah, and this this podcast isn't a big commercial for your company, but that is kind of what you do, right? Yeah, that is what I do. Uh, yeah, not to uh, talk about myself too much, but yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that I do. Is you know, a lot of pastors don't have that team around them that can speak that language that really know how to utilize those tools. And that was kind of part of my burden was I was that on staff, um, the churches that I was at, and I wanted to try to make that more available to other pastors, whether that's through the networks that I have, and uh, just be able to help them because they've got enough on their plate. I mean, the reality is we all know being a pastor is an impossible job most of the time. There's so many things that are demanded of you, much less just now to stay on top of live streaming trends and things of that nature. You know, it's just it's just so much. And so the reality is you have to have a team around you. And there are pastors out there who don't really have the team. And so we come alongside them to really help, whether that's consult or coach or uh, build, you know, websites or branding or marketing and things of that nature, social media, just to really help them uh, kind of get things going in that arena. But yeah, that is that is probably the main thing that we do. Yeah. So um, the company, your company is called 180 Digital. And um, so you, you kind of work, as I understand it, almost exclusively with churches and ministries that are doing this kind of work. And so your, your work sort of tailored to that. So things like websites and um, give me the scope. Yeah. So one of the things that I enjoy doing most is just getting to know uh, the pastors and their ministries. And so really trying to tailor uh, our services to meet their goals. Um, so whether that's, uh, you know, building a website for them or, you know, creating new, new branding or new logo for them, um, one of the biggest things that we do is offer support. And that's ongoing, whether we help manage and run uh, websites. But we offer this as a service to pastors because we know that their time is limited and they have other things that are really more important they need to be doing. And so we kind of come alongside them to be able to help them run and maintain their site. Uh, but I also do a lot of consulting, uh, just really talking to pastors and help giving them ideas and trying to make sure that they have the right perspective that can really help them make the best steps forward um, if they're trying to start something gotcha. new. So social media, part of that equation? Social media is part of that equation. Um, so whether it's just kind of setting up pages or posting content, um, things of that nature, we kind of help with a lot of different that uh, things in that arena. Um, so, uh, we do a lot of graphic design, you know, designing posts, but marketing wise specifically, uh, most churches don't really utilize that like they should on Facebook to really target 
specific people for specific events. Um, and even just a little bit going into that uh, with the right targeting, you can see a big difference in uh, really you know, what happens with an event, the success mm. of an event. Um, so let's talk about tools for just a second. I mean, we're all utilizing, it seems like the same tools. Um, we're, we're live streaming. There's a few live stream platforms out there that we're using. We're all using zoom, uh, to some level and some extent. What, what other tools out there do you think are relevant for right now? And that we should be, uh, and we should know about. Yeah, I would, um, I would just say, you know, if you're not using some sort of social media planning tool, I mean, that is a lifesaver in and of itself. If you can plan and execute a good social media strategy, which is sometimes easier to do in one meeting than it is to do in constant meetings over and over again, but if you have the ability, whether it's, you know, Buffer, there's lots of them out there later, Hootsuite, and even others, to be able to use those to be able to plan out your social media posts and uh, kind of help manage those platforms. That's a really a really great way to kind of get your get your leg up on on getting that done well. You know, as far as kind of video platforms, I definitely think there are opportunities, and there will be other platforms that will be created. I mean, Zoom is a great platform. It does have its kind of limitations, or whether you're using, you know, Google Meet or uh, even GoToMeeting and some of these other platforms that are used for these meeting purposes. Uh, I feel like there there will be additional ones that might even be tailored for churches after yeah. this is over with because there's a really unique opportunity here. And, and the challenges that come with churches are different than what uh, the needs are for businesses and things like that. So I, I really think some other platforms will really come out of this that will uh, help kind of achieve what uh, churches want to do yeah, better. That's super helpful. Uh, well, Wes, tell us how a pastor might get in touch with you and maybe just a, a sense of what those initial uh, communications with you might look like if they needed some some of your help. Yeah, so the best way to do that is just to go to our website, which is 180.digital, and that's spelled out. That's O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y dot digital. And uh, reach out to us. You know, we, we do a lots of free consultations. You can kind of book one of those on there, and we'll be glad just to talk through or talk over your ideas and just give some free input. Um, and it really is free, you know, for them who, who just want to kind of reach out and get our, uh, just our opinion on some things. So we're happy to do that as much as we can. And then if there are some people out there who maybe are looking to create a new website or uh, help need help with running their website or social media or graphic design, things of that nature, you know, we're glad to help uh, with those things That's too. That's great. Well, uh, so you heard Wes. 180.digital, yeah. Yeah, trying to get used to those new uh, domain extensions. Um, well, thanks, Wes, very much for your uh, for the conversation today and for helping us understand some of those things. And um, it's so interesting just to think about how, you know, over the past few years, God's sort of shifted you to a focus on this. And now <clears throat> this situation happened and you're you're kind of, you know, ready, set for it. So excited to see how the Lord uses it. Yeah, it's been exciting for me as well. I really feel like I was kind of made for made for this time, and mm -hmm. God kind of put me in the right place at the right time to be able to help as many churches as I can kind of help make that transition. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Wes. I appreciate talking to you. Thanks. Glad to be here. Most pastors and church leaders I know have an aspiration to write. They've got an idea for a book rolling around the back of their mind somewhere, something that's kind of been percolating for a long time that they don't quite know what to do with. Well, if that's you and you have an aspiration to write, I want you to know my friend Brad Bird. 
Brad runs an organization called Wadestone, and they're dedicated to this process of helping aspiring authors get ready to publish. So contact my friend Brad Bird over at Wadestone. And if you're a church planning podcast listener, he's doing this really generous thing and he's offering 25% off of the first coaching session just for mentioning that you listen to the church planning podcast. So reach out to Brad at his website, wadestoneinc.com and tell him you listen to the podcast and ask him to help you get ready to write. Thank you for listening to the Church Planning Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Today's episode of the Church Planting Podcast is sponsored by New City Network, the church planting ministry of McLean Bible. A special thanks to today's guest, Wesley Lewis. Josh Taransky produced today's show. Zuki Bastian was our showrunner and her husband, Nick, was our editor. Thanks to Hudson Taransky, who provided administrative and web support for the program. And last but not least, thanks to you for listening all the way through to the very end of the Church Planting Podcast. Hey, if you'd like more information about the show, feel free to visit our website at www.churchplantingpodcast.org. There you can find all of our past episodes, as well as notes and links from today's show. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so check us out there on the social. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Church Planting Podcast. Oh,